The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Hey, good morning. My name's Eric. Uh, I'm the lead teaching pastor here, but, but this month particularly uh, is a very special month for us because we're doing a, a lot of missions talks. We've got uh, the loonies here today. Next week, we're going to uh, be sending off our camp workers, and then the week after that, we're having a family fun day after camp, and so a lot of stuff going on uh, here at the church, and so uh, will you just uh, welcome with me John and Alicia Looney as they uh, come up and prepare to uh, speak to us today? I wanted to uh, encourage you a few things about the Loonies. The Loonies uh, began, yeah, that is their last name, by the way, in case you're wondering, is it really Looney? Come on, come on in here so everyone can see you. Uh, and so the Loonies started coming to LifePoint probably within the first year uh, or two of the church. It was very, very early on. Uh, and, and we've done some missions work together. We've done ministry together. We've seen God use you guys in, in amazing ways. And so seven years ago, they received the call from God to go to Honduras. Uh, and work with special needs students. And you'll talk about all of that. Uh, but this is, this is uh, a chance where they come back to the States. They get to give the family, that's us, uh, an update of what God's doing and how God is moving. And I'm so excited for that. I, I will let you know, if you want to throw up that uh, offering slide, uh, these guys are 100% uh, uh, funded by donations. And so I, I will encourage you that a, a portion of your tithes and offerings that you give into the church we actually support them on a regular basis. But if you want to go above and beyond and say, you know what, I want to, I want to take ownership of what God's doing through them, uh, the best way to do that is going to the WIM website. And that WIM website uh, is actually set up for a bunch of different missionaries. You can scan that code or you can just simply go to uh, WI worldiam.com, and then you can put in their number 283, or you can just search for the loonies. If you do give to the loonies through the joy box, you can write that on the envelope and just make sure you, you mark that so we know uh, that you're giving through the church to them. Uh, but I'm going to pray over you, uh, and then uh, you guys are going to share, and I'm so excited for what God has done for you. All right, God, I just thank you for John and Alicia. I thank you, Lord, that you're continuing to do an amazing work in their hearts and through their service unto you. Lord, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, but God, we thank you by your grace for sending out these labors into your great harvest field for your great name and glory. God, would you be honored in this place as the way we receive, Lord, the update that you're doing in them. Lord, may we be excited. May we understand that we are a part of that as we continue to support and love and pray for this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alicia, on you. All righty. Well, I just want to start reading this verse. It's in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 11 and 12. It says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And so I just want to say that we today are overflowing with thankfulness. And we're overflowing with thankfulness for and towards LifePoint Church. Um, you guys, this church is our sending church. This is the church that sent us out seven years ago to go to Honduras, a country we had never been to. And we had some crazy dreams. We had some crazy uh, desires that God had put in our heart. We did not know how that was going to turn out. But God has taken that and just done abundantly more. When we give anything to God, our hands are small, right? But his hand is infinite. And so when he returns, it's always going to be better it's always going to be more than we actually could ever even imagine. And I was just thinking about eight and a half years ago, we were sitting at Stephanie and Eric's house around their kitchen table. And we were nervous, right? And we we're like, uh, we got to talk to you guys about something, right? We're like, we feel like we're not supposed to be here. We're like supposed to be on a foreign field. And at the time, we didn't even know where. I was definitely thinking Mexico because that's where I grew up. But anyway... But Eric and Stephanie were just like, yep, that's, 
Literally, Eric said, yep. <laughs> and he's like, I'm so glad that you guys came and told me this because I've already known this, but you know, Eric's the type of pastor that he wants you to receive your word from God and then he'll confirm it like a good pastor should. And so I'm so thankful that you guys confirmed that. And then we're like, we're all in. We're all in. Life point, we're all in. You guys prayed over us and sent us out. And one of the stories, there's so many stories, but two years ago, we had a little girl, Sinai, that came to us. She was four years old. She had no words, no words, had never even made a vocalization. And she was very busy. She's, well, she still is. She's very busy. She's constantly, her attention span is, is longer now, but at that time would not like two, three seconds, and then you're on to something else, right? And the mom came to us. She had heard about that we had a school. We have a school for special needs kids. It's the first one in the country. Said, Can, will you take her? And we're like, of course, you know? So she comes to us. Um, she is from a very remote village. That village uh, was not very kind to Sinai or her, or her mother, and her father will not acknowledge her because she does have special needs, she has autism. And so we started working with her two years ago, right? And the, one, the first thing we started noticing is during our, our worship and prayer, during our worship time, she started humming, you know? But it was so beautiful to hear something coming out of her, her mouth. She was making a sound. Then she started making vocalizations. And the word amen, she started being able to say the word amen. And then during our Bible study time that we have every day, the kids are learning about the truths in the Bible. They're learning about the stories, and they learn short phrases about who God says they are. And one of is, Dios me creó a mí. God created me. Dios me creó a mí. And we, we teach that. We repeat it with the kids. The other one is, Dios me ama. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. And so this this is, we've been, we work with all of our kids on this. Hadn't really heard much from Zinai. The grandma comes a few months ago and says, they have to take two buses to get to the school. Very remote village. It's a, it's a village that John and I personally have not been able to get to. It's, it's very, you have to take all these buses and then you got to hike to get up there. So we have not personally been there. They're coming on the bus from that village and Zinai clears a day, says, Dios creo a mí. God created me on the bus. And the little girl that had no words had the attention of the whole bus because they're like, how is this little girl speaking? And then what does she speak? She's speaking the truth of God. And then she looks at everybody and says, Dios me ama. God loves me. And so her grandmother comes to school and is in tears telling us the story. Her grandmother is overflowing with thanksgiving. And the people in that village are overflowing with thanksgiving. The people that in olden days rejected this little girl, you know, didn't accept her. Now they're listening to the word she is speaking. And so what I just wanna encourage you is you never know how God is gonna choose to get his word out. He's gonna use us, right? And He's using Sinai to be a missionary to her village. She is doing things <laughs> that John and I would not be able to do. She's doing things that if John and I showed up to that village, they're not going to hear us, but they're hearing Sinai's words because they're powerful. And so thank you so much. Thank you for sending us, and thank you for continuing to support us. You know, we do have some people that are like, you're going back? You know, another year? You know, you know we, we might have signed on for one or two, but, you know, y'all just finished doing seven, you know. Like, uh, when's the end, end date? Well, God knows the end date. We don't know the end date. We are just going to continue to faithfully serve wherever God serves us, sends us, and thank you for faithfully standing behind us because we couldn't do what we do without you, without your prayers and support. And so I have a video. We have a video of the faces that we get to serve.
feet are frozen on this middle ground. The water's warm here, but the fire's gone out. I played it safe for so long, the passion left turns out. Safe is just another word for regret. So I step to the edge and I take a deep breath. Tells my heart to should turn back around, but there's no turning back now. I'm going all few years when we do this, Alicia gets up and gives her testimony, and then we do a video, and then I always like, I have to follow that? Like, I feel like it's like, yay, and oh, right, you know, but uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll get it, but uh, like I said, I wanted to share real quickly that I am glad that we have uh, my amazing uh, sister-in-law, Andrea, here today. She's here with us today, because uh, you heard Alicia say she thought we were going to Mexico, and we had that meeting with Eric, and Eric, literally, that's what he said. We're like, we want to go on the mission field. He's like, yep, and he's like, I've known that for a while. You know, and stuff like that. But and you heard Alicia say, we wanted to go to Mexico, and she really did want to go to Mexico, but it's because of her sister uh, introducing us to Honduras that we ended up in Honduras. So she played a major part in why we are now in Honduras. So uh, I just want to talk to you guys today uh, a little bit about the one thing that is in my heart is a, a verse that I always play in my head over and over again. Is, it says that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And I always think, why are the laborers few? Why is it that we don't have more people out there doing and working for the Lord? And it's just, it's amazing. And I started thinking about what, what that could be. And I, the first thing I came up with was this. I, I like to use props. You know, keeps people awake. Uh, as I'm like, oh, what's he doing with that, right? Uh, sorry, Life Point Fitness, I brought a Coke can and I didn't have a water can. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it is zero sugar, though. Um, 
But I just think about this. I, saw, I remember I was just looking at a can one day. I, I do this. I don't know if you do. I'm weird. Uh, and I was looking at this can, and I just thought about, like, this is what God created us to be. This can right here is, 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 is a perfectly shaped can right now, and it is intended to hold liquids and hold some, Like, we were created to hold God's blessings and to be a carrier of Christ. That's what we were created to do. But what happens is life happens. Something starts to go wrong. Something, somebody does something to us that we just can't forgive. And what happens when we don't forgive? Our can starts to get dented. And here's the, here's the issue with the unforgiveness part of it too is this, is that when we don't forgive, here's the main thing that you gotta remember is one, the other person that hurt you, their can's not getting dented that much because they probably don't care or don't know, right? But yours, every time you don't forgive, gets dented a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper. So sometimes we get done that way. Sometimes it's something that happens that's out of our control. We get a call from a doctor and we get a diagnosis that isn't good. We get dented a little bit more. And what happens is we can no longer carry liquids. I did clean this out so I didn't put a bunch of soda on the stage, right? As a, but what do we look at this? Is, oh, we got a jagged edge here that could cut somebody if they get too close. Why? Because that's how we become sometimes. We keep people at bay. Don't get too close to me. Because I don't want to get hurt again or I'll hurt you before you can hurt me. But look at this. Can this can carry any liquid anymore? Well, it could if you wanted to get it all over the place. But we can't be who God created us to be. So today we are going to look at some dented cans. How do we get dented? And we're going to look at what does Jesus do? What does God do? What did Jesus do when he was here? And what does God do with dented cans? So we're going to look at three different types of dented cans. You can bring that first slide up. Oh, it's up here. Yay. All right. I always hate when I have to turn around because I'm like, hey, you're listening to my back. All right. All right. So, so there we go. All right. So look at that. We've got a squished can. Now that can's not going to be very effective. It's not going to be able to carry much. It's, it's closed and it's, it's hurt. And it's like, no, I don't want that. It's squished down. It looks like this. It's not a very effective can. So how do we get like this? Well, our first one, you go to the next slide. The first way that we get, and, I, and I'll use the story of the woman as well, is it's the decisions and the things that we do, the decisions we make that dent our can. We do things when things get tough. Some people, they run to drugs. They run to alcohol. Some people, when they need to feel better, run to porn. It, whatever it is, whatever that addiction is, we choose to keep going back to it. Even when it doesn't make logical sense and we know nothing good comes of it, we keep doing that. We also, when I talked about unforgiveness, when someone hurts us and we choose not to forgive, that's not hurting the person that hurt us. That's only hurting us. It's only denting our can. And so the Bible story that I can think of that I really love about this kind of a dented can is the woman at the well. Because we, I, I love when I hear this story when I was growing up, the Samaritan woman at the well, is that like this woman went to the well and oops, Jesus just happened to be there too. What a coincidence. <laughs> Guys, Jesus was there on purpose. Let's start there. This, when we hear this story, remember that. Jesus didn't just happen to happen onto this woman. He was there for a reason. And so then he sees her, and he sees her going to water, and he says, hey, uh, could you get me some water? And she's like, you don't have a bucket, dummy, right? You know, like, you know, how, you get, how am I supposed to get water for you? Like, get down there and put it in my hands and scoop it? Like, what do you want me to do, right? And so she's like, and he's saying this, and he starts kind of just talking to her to try to get to know her. And he's talking, and then, he, and he's, and as he's getting through his conversation, I love, there's a point in the conversation when he's doing this, and then he turns to her and says, you know, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for my water and you'd never thirst again. And she's like, that, she's like, that sounds good. You mean I don't have to come to this well and get water? Like, she's like, I want that. And now let's take a look at what is really a key about this story too is, is, is at the time of day they were at the well is that we see that she's at the well and he's at the well and it is the hottest part of the day. It is like being in like, you know, the downtown middle of St. Louis when it's 104 degrees outside, but it feels like 110. I don't get that. It's like, why is it, why is it 110 but feels like 115? To just say it's 115. Telling me it's 101 doesn't make it feel cooler. 
anyway, sorry. That's just my little soapbox. Sorry. Anyway, all right. So it's 94, but it feels like 98. Then it's 98 degrees outside. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. Like, do if you did it backwards, that'd make me feel better. Like, it's 101, but it only feels like 96. Oh, yes. All right. Anyway, anyway, so. I forgot my story. Anyway, so we're, so he's out there. They're out there at the hottest time of the day, and he's talking. He's like, "Man, I could give you water so that you never thirst again." And when she's there at the hottest part of the day, that sounds great. That sounds good, right? Just like sometimes when we're going through our struggles and our hurts, when somebody comes to talk to us, we're like, yes, Jesus sounds good. Jesus sounds great. But then what happens is we leave the church, we leave the camp, we leave wherever we're getting preached to, and we go back out in life and we start to forget again. We forget about the man that was at the well offering us the water. So Jesus is talking to her, and he, he, he wants her to really understand that he knows who she is, like he wants with us. So he says, here, here's what you do. Go back and get your husband. And I always picture Jesus because I'm a, I picture Jesus doing different things. Everything. And I picture Jesus with a little smirk on his face as he says that. Because he knew. Right? He says, go get your husband. And she's like, uh, I don't have a husband. Right? So, like that thing like we try to do sometimes when we're deep in our sins, we kind of try to think like maybe we can lie to God and he won't know. Right? Like, I, yeah, I'm really addicted to this, but if I play good enough, I could fool the people and I could fool him. You're not fooling him. So he says, yeah, I know you don't have a husband. You had five. And I just imagine her face like, right? Yeah, or kind of like, oh. You want to be number seven? But, uh, and he's like, <laughs> she liked guys. You get the joke? No, okay, anyway, so. But what he was doing is he was getting to the root of her thirst. He was saying, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five and the guy you're with now isn't your husband. He was telling her, I know why you are thirsty. And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually and emotionally thirsty. You are looking for your validation and your love through a man, through a husband. If you could find that guy that will make you feel good enough, make you feel loved enough, then you'll do it and that's what you're looking for and you've tried six times and it hasn't gone well. How about you try me? You've tried everything else and everybody else because I don't know how many men were back then, but, right? But why don't you try me? And then the part I find interesting is they continue to talk. The woman says, well, I know that there's... She's like, you must be a prophet to know this stuff. And then he starts talking to her more. And then she said, well, I know there's a Messiah that's supposed to be coming. That's going to come and he's going to save his people. I know there's a Messiah. And I find that interesting because what we see at this part of the story is that this woman knows of Jesus. But she doesn't know Jesus. And there's a difference between knowing of Jesus and actually experiencing Jesus. And she's about to get switched because she's about to experience Jesus. And so he goes on to tell her, he's like, I, if you will just trust me, I am the one. Do you believe that? And she said, yes, I do. Because he had just blown her mind with it. He knew all about her husbands and all the other things she had probably done wrong and stuff like that. She, was, she came to the well with shame. That's why she went in the midday so nobody else would be there because she was ashamed of her life. She met a man who said, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know the mistakes you've done. And guess what? I'm still here for you. Not because you know enough Bible. Not because you know enough this. I'm here because I love you and you are my daughter. And I want you to know me. So what did Jesus do with that dented can? She was a dented can that got dented by her own decisions. Why did she feel shame? Because she'd had five husbands and was now shacking up with the sixth dude. I guess he just hadn't committed with the ring yet, right? But she was there at the middle part of the day because of her shame. She was dented because of the decision she had made. And she felt like she wasn't good enough anymore. And what did Jesus do? He met her there at the hottest part of the day. He could have worked it where like, hey, I'll meet her at like six when it gets a little cooler. 
but he met her there at the point of probably a big part of shame for her. The fact that she knew she had to go out by herself at that time because nobody else would be there. He met her where she was at, and he changed everything for her. And he said, do you, do you believe in me? And she said, I do. And he says, I want you to go back. I want you to go back and tell everybody that you can see. And she does, and then people come, and more and more people become uh, saved through that. And what we see is that that dented can, that shameful woman that had had five husbands and is now working on number six and had to go out in the middle of the day because of her shame, became one of the first missionaries in the Bible. That's what Jesus does with that dented can. So maybe that's you. You're like, I know I make decisions that aren't good. I, know, I, I keep running back to, to this thing that's not good for me, whether it's an addiction or whatever, gambling, alcohol, drug, I don't care what the addiction is. Maybe you keep going back to it because it makes you feel good for a while. You're just like the woman at the well who was thirsting. Hers just happened to be she was, for love, she was thirsty for validation and love. And Jesus said, you're not, you, can, you can keep going to that well, man after man, and have to keep coming back to the well after every man breaks your heart, or you can come to me and you'll never be thirsty again. What are you thirsting for? Because God is right here today telling you, come to me and you'll never thirst again. So then we see the second type of dented cannon. We're going to see what, what Jesus did with this one. And so the next slide... We have, as we, have a, we have a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. We only learn that in Mark because in the other parts of the gospel where they talk about it, they just call him a blind beggar. They don't even give him a name. But Mark lets us know it's Bartimaeus is his name. And he is a blind beggar, and he has been kicked out of Jericho because he's a blind beggar. And there are people, they're like, no, you can't, you can't be in your city. So he can't even be in the city that he was from. They said, you have to be on the outskirts, and you can just beg out there, but don't come to our city. We don't want to hear you. We don't want to see you. And all he had was a cloak. They talk about a cloak, and that's probably what he used to gather the money when he was begging or whatever people would give to him. He used that cloak, probably put it in the pockets or however. I don't know what the cloak looked like. And stuff, but that's all he had. And when I think about this story, I can't help but think about our students in Honduras. Seven years ago, they were Bartimaeus. They were told by the community, their own family, and everybody, go, you know what, go back over here and hide. We don't want to see you. No, don't, 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 no. You're, you're an embarrassment. You're a curse on our family. No, we don't want to see you. And the thing is, like with Bartimaeus, he was blind, so his dent was not his fault. He was born blind. He didn't choose to be blind. Just like our kids didn't choose to have autism, didn't choose to have Down syndrome. But they felt the same thing Bartimaeus did. And what I love about this story is Jesus is walking through and the blind man says, he can tell there's a crowd and there's a lot of voices and stuff. So he's like, he's like hey, what's going on? And, and, and somebody's like, it's Jesus. Jesus is, Jesus is coming. And this man, Bartimaeus, takes time. And he's like, Jesus, son of David, help me. And he does the son of David thing because he's trying to let Jesus, like, I know who you are. Jesus, help me. And he's trying to get Jesus' attention. And as he is yelling, the part of the story that hits me is that the people in the crowd, and in one of the gospels, it even says that one of the disciples too, uh, but people in the crowd start being like, hey, shh, hey, crazy beggar, shh, stop yelling at Jesus. And that hits my heart because I wonder, has someone ever been looking for Jesus and I've turned to him and said, hey, you know, shh, you're going about it all wrong, shh. I hope I'm never the person that silenced somebody that's looking for Jesus, right? So he keeps yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, help me. And then finally Jesus stops and he says, he says, bring him to me. He tells the disciples, it's okay, it's okay, bring him here. And so the disciples say, hey, Jesus is calling for you. This man literally stands up, throws off his cloak and goes there. And that is significant because the cloak is all he owned. He was throwing it on the ground because that was not as important as getting in front of Jesus. And I can tell you in the lives of our students, in the lives of uh, two of our students we have named uh, Dariella and Ricardo. When they came to our school, they would kind of, Dariella, when she'd walk by, she would always do, I'm still on stage. I know you think I disappeared. Right? 
right? And all stuff like she thought she was disappearing. And she always had her head down and Ricardo the same way. And what did we do? I didn't like yell at him and say, no, walk with your head up. Stop putting your hands there. We didn't do that. You heard from Alicia, we have worship and we have Bible time. We just introduced them to the truth. We brought them to Jesus. And I can tell you in the last few months of our school, Dariella and Ricardo are completely different kids. You guys saw the, the, the one with the sucker, the girl with the sucker, right? That's Dariella. She was trying to share that sucker. I was like, no, I'm good, right? <laughs> I love you, Dariella, but I'm not eating after you, right? Um, there's very few people I will eat after. Um, but she now comes to school every day with a smile on her face. And when she gets to school, she has to go around and give a hug to everybody, me, miss, our helper, and all the students before she can start her day. And she just has a big smile on her face every time she goes to hug somebody. And this was a girl that when she came there, and then Ricardo, he, he doesn't have any words yet. We're working on it. He's starting to make some sounds and words. And stuff, but he was, he was kind of that thing too. Like he would walk in the, in the morning and we didn't exist. We'd be like, hey, Ricardo. Bye, Ricardo, right? And stuff like that. And he just, he did not care if we were in the room. He didn't care if anybody was in the room. And the last few months, he started saying a few more, a few little words. He'd, my, 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 and then start making some words. And then at the end, when he got here in the morning, towards the end of the school year, he would come in and I would be sitting in the reading chair and he'd always look over to see if I was in the chair and when I was, he'd come run over and give me a hug every morning. Why? Because I brought him to Jesus. We showed him Jesus. We showed him how loved he was. And now when we do our Bible stories and I ask the kids like what the story's about, Ricardo never answers, but he's still hearing. Like Alicia said, you never know what you're doing or what you're saying. You don't know who's listening and what they're getting from it. But that's not your job. Your job is to continue to love and love well. And so what does Jesus do? He brings the blind man over and he says, hey, stop yelling my name. He smacks him. No, you didn't do that. <laughs> Don't look that up. Like, that's what the pastor said, right? No. He says, what do you want me to do? Do you know how many people are going through tough times right now that God's asking that same question and we won't answer? Why? Because we're getting another opinion from another doctor. We're getting another opinion from our best friend, and if I don't like that best friend, I'll go over to this girlfriend, and if she doesn't have it, I'll go to this girlfriend, and I'll get every opinion I can to make me feel better. And Jesus is right there to say, what do you want me to do? Now, I'm not saying that if you say, well, I want to be cured of this, he's going to do that. We don't know what God's ultimate plans are. But I think a lot of times we don't get the, see the things that we want to see. We don't see God move the way we want to see him move because we don't tell Jesus what we want. You know how many times I prayed for Dariella and I prayed for Ricardo. I missed two. I don't want to act like I'm the overly spiritual one, right? That we prayed for those guys all the time. We pray for our kids every day. Why? Because we're asking Jesus, if you could make them talk, if you could make them walk, if you could do whatever that needs to be changed in their life, and we prayed for them. Because I know Jesus is who got Sinai talking and Dariella, but it wasn't me. It was Jesus that did that. I was lucky enough to be there to see it. So he asked the blind man, what do you want from me? And he says, I want to see. You know, some people are like, duh. Like, I want a rich cracker. What do you think I want? Right? So you know, people have that attitude. They're like, Jesus, I'm blind. What do you think I'm coming to you for? Right? And I was like, but Jesus, he asked the man because he wants to see where his heart is. That's why Jesus asked that question. Sometimes we go through struggles and we go through hurts, not because Jesus is punishing us, not because Jesus doesn't love us or because we did a major thing wrong. It's because he wants to see where our heart is and he wants to see where do we go? When things go bad, where's our first place we go to? Is it him or somebody else? And if it's him, he's always there asking, what would you like me to do? How can I help? And the blind man says, I'd like to see. And he says, okay. Touch him. He heals him and says, now go and tell everyone. 
and he heals him. And he says, because of your faith, not because of his knowledge, not because of how many things, trivia questions he could answer about the Bible, not because of his good works, none of that. Because of his faith, Jesus healed him. Sometimes when we get diagnoses or things that are out of our control, we, we try to control them or we try to keep ourselves busy so we don't think about it or we try to do this and it, that's not what's gonna make it better. Our faith will. When I prayed for CNIE to talk, I had faith that God would make it happen. And so what does he do? He tells them like he does everybody he heals and encounters Jesus. He says, no, go and tell everybody. There's that word again. No, go and tell everybody. Jesus doesn't just heal you to heal you. He's, he wants you to do some more healing too. So he's like, go tell everyone. So what does he do? He goes and tells everybody. So there again, blind beggar, wasn't accepted by his people, gets rid of his cloak, experiences Jesus. What's he do? He goes and be, he's a missionary to his place. He's telling people about Jesus. Before we go to the third slide, I just want to preference this third slide that it's not biblical. You're like, uh-oh, what are you talking about? Uh, but it does, prove, it does have a point, so please bear with me, <laughs> right? But let's go to the next slide. Yeah, people saw my Toy Story bag and like, is that a gift for me? I'm like, no, sorry. Um, felt really bad when my nephews asked. Oh, Uncle John, is that my gift? <laughs> no. Um, but, but I don't know about you guys, but I, I love Toy Story. It's one of my favorite animated movies. I don't, I don't know if that's bad. I know some people are like, oh, that's unchristian. I don't know. I don't know. I like Toy Story. Right? Um, we could find something unchristian in everything if we try hard enough. Um, but one of the fav my favorite characters from that series is in the fourth movie is Forky. Why? Because he's a spork. And a popsicle sticks. And then I guess those little, are those called pipe cleaner things? Is that what those are called? Right? And you think a teacher would know that. Um, right? But what, I, what really hits me about Forky is no matter what booty, booty? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thought you never, didn't hear that at church, did you? All right. Um, no, no matter what, Buzz or Woody, this isn't online, is it? All right, anyway, I'm sorry. Um, I'm never going to live point. That guy's talking about booty. All right, so, um, and then he repeated it. Um, all right, so, so no matter what Buzz and Woody did, they were like, yeah, you're a toy, you're a toy. What was Forky's line? One of the few lines he had the whole movie. What did he always say? Okay, we got like three Toy Story fans in here. Okay, what's wrong with the rest of you? What's wrong with Toy Story? All right, right? I'm trash. I'm trash. That's all he'd ever say. So we have that, I like to call it the forky thing or the I'm not good enough. There are people that are just, no matter what goes on, you're just, you just never feel like you're enough. You never feel like you're good enough. And people could tell you, well, trust God, he'll give you, and you're like, yeah, I hear that, but still there's something deep inside of me that tells me I'm not enough. And why does this story mean so much to you? Because I'm forky. No matter what I do or did in my life for years, no matter what I accomplished or what I did, I was never good enough. I was never good enough for my dad, for my family. I told my family I was gonna go back and get my master's degree to become a teacher and my family laughed at me. and said, that's, that's gotta be some kind of joke, you're not smart enough. Graduated top of my class, ha ha. Anyway, uh, sorry. Um. But let me preference, I did because I had my wife helping me. All right, anyway, so. Uh, I don't want to take all that credit and she get in the car like, you didn't give me nothing. Right, anyway, so she does this a lot in the car. Um, but I would, I'm going to get in trouble for that joke. Uh, all right. So, but I, I'm, I was forky. 
It didn't matter. I mean, there was times before we left, I would go through, I went through this ministry program with Eric and I was learning more and I was meeting with Eric. And if you can't be encouraged after meeting with Eric, something's wrong with you. Because this guy's the most encouraging, most loving person in the world. And if you go walk away from that still feeling not good enough, you're a forky. And I did. There were times I did. And it wasn't Eric's fault. I don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming him. Like, he made me feel horrible. Now, um, but I'd walk away and I'm like, oh, Eric's so encouraging. I just wish what he said was true. But it's not. And what can God do with a forky? He'll put people in your life that will remind you you're not trash. That will walk through you as they train you and love you and help you learn. And what can a forky do? A forky can move to a country where he doesn't even speak the language very well. I can say burrito and taco. They don't really have burritos in Honduras though. That was not helpful. Um, I also learned the sentence, the, the bear is in the door on Rosetta Stone. I've never had to say that in seven years. Thank you, Rosetta Stone. Um, I guess I should thank God that I haven't had to say that. Like, oh, the bear's in the door. Finally. And also, it's in a puerto. Ah, I got to say it. Thank you, Rosetta Stone. No, um, I think I just messed that up. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> that's my Spanish knowledge for you. You're welcome. Um, but I can go where I don't know the language, but guess what? It didn't matter because you know what language I did know? I knew how to love. And I knew that God could do something. And we taught for a couple years, and after that we left, and we went, and we got our own school, and we just finished our fifth year of our own school. And on our last day of school this year, we were having our party day, which if you're a teacher, you know what those are like. And on that day, the Department of Education decides to show up and watch our school. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so we do our school like we always do. We did our worship, our Bible study. We don't hide it. We're unapologetically Christian. We love Jesus. We don't hide it, even when people come to watch. And we do our thing, and we, uh, we do our day, and our kids were perfect little angels like they always are. <laughs> Especially Dariella day, she was in a good mood. Um, but we did our school, and at the end of the day, the, we were talking with the people who came from the Department of Education, and they were like, they're like, you guys, what you are doing here is incredible. I heard about this school, but I didn't believe it. I had to come see. That's what the main big guy, like he's the head of, I think like the whole state or something like that we're in. And he's like, I had heard, but I had to see it. He goes, what you guys are doing is what every school should be doing. And he says, well, this is what we want to do. We want to, uh, we want to accredit the school. And all of a sudden, Alicia, of course, Alicia's the paperwork person. I hate paperwork. Um, and Alicia's like, I don't want to get a credit. That's a lot of paperwork. Right? And the guy's like, don't worry about it. We'll take care of all the paperwork. We just want you guys to be here doing what you're doing with these kids because what you guys are doing is amazing. And they have decided to accredit our school and they have this big book because they don't do anything on a computer. They don't know what a computer is in Honduras. I think they do, I'm just making a joke, but, right? And they put this big book down and they like, have me and Alicia sign it, prick our fingers, blood, spit on it. No, we didn't do all that, but, uh, and also, but we, we signed this book and they are going to accredit our school for kids ages three to 21. And when our kids get to 21, I have to go from our school because that's is how legally they can stay. Also, we will actually get to graduate our students and they will get an official, like, diploma from Honduras. So in two years, when we have two of our students that are getting close to that age, in two years, we're going to have the first graduating class of a school specifically for special needs in the whole entire country of Honduras. What can God do with a forky? He can do amazing things. When we realize, just like Forky, what Forky didn't realize, if you see that third line, was this. Forky was created by the girl. I can't remember her name right now. I don't, it doesn't matter, right? She was created to bring, Forky was created to bring her joy. We're created to bring God joy. 
when we have victories like what we just heard, God, is, God loves it. When we get joy, we get, God has even more joy because he's like, look what my son and daughter just did. We were created. And when we can come to realize that, that we were created to bring God joy, it's amazing what God can do even through a forky. I talked about dented cans today. And I, I just want to finish it up with this. Uh-oh. I just leaked something, sorry. Um, I just anointed the building. Um, you spill something at church, just say you anointed it. All right, all right, so. So as we think, I just want to close with this. Why, I talked about earlier about the, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Why? Because we are, so many of us are so dented and so hurt that right now we're living life like this. And I hear it all the time when people are talking about, about people who are going through a struggle or hurt, whether it's because of their own choices or because of something that's done, they always say this, I just wish they'd get back to how they were. I wish they would just get back to, and then they usually say the name of the person, get back to being so-and-so. I never say that because we're selling God short. Because I can tell you right now, that Samaritan woman, when she left Jesus, she wasn't the same as she was before. That blind man, when he left Jesus, he wasn't the same as he was before. And I can tell you for a fact, when I left this area seven years ago, compared to today, I am not the same man I was seven years ago by far. Why? We always sell God short. We're always like, oh, just bring him back to normal. Can you just kind of, hold on, I got to put the mic down for a second. kind of back to if we could just get back to there right God and God says no how about instead when they experience me they become a whole new creation he's not going to turn us back into that again that's that's too much that's too easy but he's going to turn us into this and why because if you notice the difference if you don't see a difference maybe you need glasses between this and this is this right here. Why? Because God puts us back together so that we can be filled up. Why? So we can pour out to others. Because what did he say at the end of the Samaritan meeting with the Samaritan woman? What did he say to Bartimaeus? What does he say to me sometimes? He's like, you know the great work I did? Now go and tell everybody. He brings us back to this makes us better than we were before, and he gives us the avenue to pour out and share with everybody what has happened in our life. Just like that picture there. So I don't know which dented can you are, but I can tell you this. God has a great plan for you. And maybe it's not to sell everything and go to a country you've never stepped foot in. That was what God did for us. But maybe you're at a school, you're at a library, you're at a hospital, you're at a lawyer office, you're at a whatever your job is. You're there, and maybe God's saying, you need to be the missionary there. You need to be the person that's bringing me there. You need to be the watering can of that place. Go and share. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I do know this. He's not calling you to sit on the sidelines. I've heard Eric say it before about we need to get more involved. We need to get more involved. There's a reason why that being message is being put on his heart. Because guys, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And you would be amazed at what God can do when a dented can will just say yes and go where God calls him. Because he's not, he's not going to stay a dented can. They're going to become this. They're going to become better than you were before. So no matter what your hurt or your struggle is, give it to God. Say yes. What is God calling you to? Is he calling you to children's church? Some of you might be like, no, I don't like children. Well, then don't go to children's church. I've seen what happens when people who don't like children try to do children's church. Don't do it. I had a, I had a teacher when I was a kid that did that, and it wasn't fun. Right? Is he, calling to, is he calling you to be a part of the, the greeting, the hospitality team, whatever it is? What, what is he calling you to do? Say yes today. Because I guarantee you, 
God is not calling you to just sit here on Sundays and then nothing else. You're here for a reason. Because he has a mission for you. And I hope you say yes to it. I want to take a few seconds to pray for you and then the worship team can come back up. Because I know that there are a lot of great missionaries that are going to be in this room. And I don't mean maybe in foreign countries or maybe I do. I'm going to be honest with you, I still expect Ellie someday to be in another country. Because ever since she was a little girl since I knew her, now she just rolls her eyes at me because she's a teenager. Um, But I've always saw her heart. I know that someday she's going to do great things. And God has a plan for all of you, and I hope that you say yes to it. Because that's what, that's what makes John and Alicia, you know, oh, we get to have this special Sunday where you have to listen to us, right? As <laughs> of why? Because what makes me and Alicia special, we said yes to God. That's what makes it special. There's nothing more special about me than there is Keith McClassy. He's even a better golfer than I am, which isn't very hard, right? Don't take too much pride in that, Keith, uh, <laughs> right? But what makes me different than any of you here? Nothing. The difference is why I get to share is because I said yes to God. And he's doing an amazing work. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to share and just encourage these people, Lord, with, with, with your word, God. And I just pray that we, we are in a room that is filled with, with missionaries or preachers or pastors or children's leaders or whatever it is, God. But I pray no matter what the call is, God, that they know that they aren't called to just sit on the silence, but they are called to be a worker and to carry your mission, to be a watering can and pour out your message to others. And Lord, I just encourage them to say yes. And God, there's nothing in this world that can take away our thirst, take away our blindness, take away our sickness, take away our pain, better than saying yes to you. And Lord, that's what I hope we do say yes to you. I pray for this in your name. Amen. Fulfill the law and prophets, two virgin came.